As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there, this is your host, Isaac Wiseup. If you've been following me on the social medias or you signed up for my email newsletter, which surely you have at IlluminatiWatcher.com backslash start, and surely you have because you've noticed that censorship is peaking. Again, yes, again. Um, Patreon booted off a whole bunch of people off of Patreon because they were talking about the QAnon stuff. You know what I'm saying. I don't want to spell it out. But the, and, and, you know, your boy, I did four episodes on the big Q topic, so I'm puckering up tight, waiting for the big cancel, but hopefully it doesn't happen. It shouldn't, right? In theory. But you know how this goes. I've been kicked off of Google and YouTube already, and why not? Why not one more, right? So, yeah, you got to sign up for that email newsletter. But this, today, this year, 2020, the greatest or worst year of your life, of your lives, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it, which is a very curious thing, right? But we're going to do a Halloween special. I talked about this back in 2018. I did a Halloween special and I've decided I want to make this a recurring annual thing because a lot of you have just picked up onto my podcast this year. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. But the, the forced red pilling of the masses uh, I've got a lot of people interested in these topics, and a lot of you could use a little primer on the occult symbolism of Halloween, Samhain. So we're gonna—I'm gonna basically, after I do this little preamble, this little intro, we're gonna just—I'm just gonna replay it from the show from 2018. Now, why should you listen to this again? Well, I—I I in fact re-listened to it because I wanted to make sure the content was relevant for you, because that's what I'm about. I'm about reading books, listening to shows condensing material and giving you the necessary information so you can move along with your day i'm here to save you time my friend but i listened to it and uh you know it wasn't good it wasn't good totally wasn't good it was great it was the greatest halloween symbolism occult show you've ever heard and you're gonna listen to it and you're gonna enjoy it you're gonna love it now what's what's uh what's fun about this what's fun for you to listen for well I don't know how long you've been on my team here, 
But on the show, I was asking for some reviews on the iTunes for the podcast because we were crossing 300 reviews at the time, and I was trying to push to 1,000, and I thought, boy, this is going to take forever to get to 1,000. And, you know, just two years later, we're well over 1,000. We're like 1,500. And I'll ask you for a review again. Why not? If you haven't, if you're new to the team, drop that review on the iTunes. I was reading them all, but then I stopped. After I cleared a thousand, I told you, okay, I'm done promoting it. I'm done plugging it. I'm done reading them. Because I liked your feedback, and I figured, well, the first thousand feedbacks, that's enough to set me on the right course. But, you know, go ahead, drop that review. I'll, I'll give it a perusal here in a few days and see what you think. And then another fun thing for you to listen for at the end of the show, and I don't have a I don't have a post wrap up analysis uh, thing for you. It'll just end when it ends. You'll hear the 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 first tagline that I used to end the show. So listen for that. It used to not be "Stay woke." I don't know if you know that. We had something different, something a little spicier, something a little more motivational. You can take a listen for that. That'll be at the end of the episode. Uh, but this year, I do want to give you an update. Because I'm thinking every year we're going to drop this Halloween episode. Why not, right? But I do have uh, some updates, right? Because not every year is going to be the same. This year, Halloween is different because these occult, witchy, pagan occultists, they are tracking the zodiac signs and the movement of the planets because as above so below right things in the cosmos affect us here on earth things on earth affect the cosmos that's the theory as you'll hear about but this year there's some strangeness high strangeness as as if you didn't know that there's actually what they call a blue moon it's when you get the second full moon in one month which happens on October 31st, the odd the odds of having a full moon on Halloween are already pretty rare. It's like 1 in 20 years, but the blue moon is even rarer. Very rare. I don't know what the number is, 1 in 100? I'm going to read to you because I don't really get into astrology much. I don't I need to, right? It's very important, but I I'm just it's not a strength of mine. I don't know. I haven't dug deep into it yet. It's on my to-do list. So I'm going to read to you from a website that seems like they might have gone into it. What is this called? Flare.com. It's one of these tabloidy cosmopolitan type sites. But anyway, here's what it says. Halloween's blue moon is in the earthy sign of Taurus, an excellent sign to help you explore these questions. Taurus is powerfully rooted in the magic of the earth. It understands the mysteries of nature and honors the gifts of the cycles and seasons. It helps us to get centered and rooted within the potential of our own hearts, minds, and bodies. Conjunct Uranus, the change maker. Oh boy, Uranus is the <laughs> when your Uran when Uranus gets conjuncted, it is a real change maker in your life. <laughs> Conjunct Uranus, the change maker. October's blue moon is going to help you shake things up in an area of your life where you've felt stuck and basically what it's talking about is that this is a a, a shake-up time of some sort for you to reflect and change ideas behaviors personalities i don't know don't ask me i don't get into astrology much but 
yeah, this year's exceptional to the other years. And then add in the fact that we've got this tumultuous election going on, add in the um, the the meteor, what do you call it? It's in space still. Meteor? When it hits Earth, it's a meteorite. You know what I'm saying. That big rock out in space that all the nerds are saying there's like a 1% chance it's going to hit us and kill us. Well, it's 2020. You better bump those percentages up. You know what I'm saying? Something else you're going to love about this this uh, 2020 Halloween special. I'm also... So after you get the Halloween special where... And, and here's the thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we're going to talk about... On the Halloween special, we're going to talk about the satanic holiday of Halloween. We're going to talk about the Halloween films. Talk about the first original Halloween film a little bit. Talk about the 2018 reboot. We'll get into the pagan roots of Samhain, the the horned god, the blood sacrifices, the, the the worship of the sun and the divination, talking to the devil, the druids, symbolism and all that stuff, right? That's all the good stuff. Then after that, I will also add as an appendage there the uh, show I did on Rocky Horror Picture Show. In case you know, I'll put that at the end in case you don't like Rocky Horror. Maybe that's not your thing. Because uh, as you know, I wrote a book called It's Just a Jump to the Left many, many moons ago. And I did a podcast on it back in 2016. And that is pretty relevant, so why not, right? I'll throw it on the back on the back end of that too. So when the first part is over, it's like, yeah, I don't know, 45 minutes for the Halloween special. Stick around because we're gonna I'm gonna dump right into the Rocky Horror Picture Show episode where we go through my book. And, and all the stuff in there is relevant. You can still get the signed paperbacks on the Gumroad, right? Gumroad.com backslash Isaac W. Now, what's fun to listen to for that episode, you can hear, this is back in 2016, right? I was still in my infancy of podcasting, didn't really like it too much yet. And I was listening to it, and pff, who is this guy? <laughs> oh, my God. Low energy, must have had low T. Wow, is, is it a uh, monotone? But you can hear, you know, this, why not, right? It's I'll let you listen. I'm not embarrassed. But yeah, you can hear the difference in... in uh, I'm trying to make it more entertaining for you, right? So I'm trying to learn how to talk more, get my radio voice on. Because at the time, and you can hear it, I, I even plug my YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, were those the days before YouTube canceled me? But there was, um, you know, I didn't start podcasting seriously until 2018 because you know as you know the history of my my tail here my woes got booted off of the, the youtube and had to pivot again so podcasting was the thing so i started the patreon and i think 2018 and that was when i really started taking it seriously and and hitting it every week because at the time back in 2016 i was only podcasting like once a month <laughs> i mean i would get like a sometimes i would get a guest on usually i would uh, but boy, oh boy, I wasn't really taking it seriously because I didn't really like it, to be honest. But yeah, you can hear at the end of the episode, and again, it'll just cut out and that's it, no more outro for me. The You can hear at the end of the Rocky Horror episode, I didn't have like a tagline, a little, little punch-out line. What do you call that? Sign-off, a sign-off, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was non-existent. You can hear how difficult that makes to uh, cut out the show and be like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> See, So, like, it's a, it's an awkward show, right? But it's it's a good time. It's a good time. I'm not embarrassed. I want you to enjoy it. Get a good laugh in. 
so yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the Halloween 2018 special, and then stick around for the Rocky Horror Picture Show analysis because that actually has a lot of great information in it, and the book has uh, some. It's black and white. It, the The book has some images and stuff to support the concepts because uh, it goes real deep into the occult symbolism behind Rocky Horror Picture Show, which, as you know, plays every year at Halloween. Okay. All right, friends. Until next time, I'm going to go work on this Raised by Wolves analysis. It's going to be like three parts. It's a beast. I'm going to work on this so I can get it out to you here in November. Um, again, if you want to support the show, go to Patreon, patreon.com backslash Illuminati Watcher. Shout out to all my Patreon supporters. And stay woke. If you're like me, you're a sucker for mysteries, true crime. And once you put me back into a period piece with those old flapper 1920s era time frame, you got me. I'm all yours. So let me tell you about this game called June's Journey. We're going to escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance as you immerse yourself into the world of June's Journey, a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Play as June Parker and investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s while uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder with hundreds of mind-teasing puzzles. The next clue is always within reach. Now, one thing I like is that it sharpens your vision to look for objects. In case I I ever make it on uh, one of these reality contest shows, I got to harness my puzzle my puzzle skills and my visual acuity. And and I, I learned what a pavilion <laughs> when I was playing the game. I learned what a pavilion was. It's it's basically a gazebo. I didn't know that, so I'm learning. All right. In each level, you search for hidden objects in New York parlors or or uh, Paris sidewalks. Trying to figure out this scandalous family secret of how June's sister died. It's got some mystery. It's got some danger. It's got some romance. I got the game on my phone right now, and I'm on chapter three, and I'm looking for clues on this crime scene photo because we're gonna we're gonna figure out who did this. And you're gonna love it. They play real like mad chill music, so it's kind of relaxing too. You get to customize your little luxurious estate with gardens and buildings and such. So look, if you're into detective work, solving clues, finding clues, scandalous family secrets, uh, you just want a fun little escape from the dreaded day job or whatever, this is your game. I enjoy playing it at the end of the day when I'm chilling in bed trying to unwind because it's just a nice little escape kind of game for me. And not only that, poor June, she needs my help to figure out how her sister died. And guess what? June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS an android what's this it's gibberish no it's a celtic word samhain it means the lord of the dead the end of summer the festival of samhain october 31st good evening I'm your host, Isaac Weisenhop. Hey everybody, this is Isaac. Today we're going to do the Halloween special. There's something fun about a Halloween special, isn't there? Well, today we're going to do it. We're going to make that fun a reality. Halloween's got a very special place in my heart. As you know, I've 
learned a lot on my journey of studying the Illuminati. And as part of that journey is this struggle that I face. The struggle of being intrigued and attracted like a moth to the flame to the the dark arts. Now, before I became woke, the level of wokeness I'm at right now, I didn't realize that the the satanic agenda at play in entertainment. But hey, it's too late now. I was born and raised on this kind of thing, and I enjoy it. I just try to find a place to uh, not let it influence me negatively, okay? I feel like we can still enjoy some of these darker forms of entertainment. Or maybe that's just an excuse, right? Who cares? It's up to you. I don't care what you do. I'm worried about trying to make sure I live the right, proper life while still enjoying the things I enjoy. And uh, being raised in the 1980s and 90s there, I uh, I associate a lot of the, the greatest horror films of our time. The Halloween movies, the uh, Friday the 13th series, Nightmare on Elm Street, all these gory tales I read from Stephen King with all of his books. Uh, I, I, uh, I feel like Halloween embodies all of the good parts of these things on this, this satanic holiday that we're celebrating on October 31st. When I was a kid, I was raised on these, these eighties horror movies. So, uh, it's in my blood. It's in my DNA at this point. <laughs> uh, there's no turning back. I even liked WCW wrestling that used to have a Halloween Havoc special every year. I didn't, we never got it in my house, but um, it sure looked like fun. It sure looked like a good time. Uh, One thing, and I'm going to get into this, don't worry. I'm not going to stretch this intro out too long, but do you recall, I need you to tell me if I'm alone on this. Every year around this time, I have this, desire to eat Doritos and I'm not like a giant Doritos fan I'm sure it's full of like GMOs and uh, it's a big pharma trap I'm sure but for some reason every year around Halloween I get this obsession that I gotta eat Doritos and I do it every year I cave into it and I believe it's because back in the 80s or 90s there was a commercial that had like the Universal Studios monsters I'm talking like Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, that sort of thing. I thought there was a commercial that had that those creatures and Doritos. And for some reason, every year that happens. It's a bit of mind control, if you will. But uh, hit me on the socials if you, if you remember that, if you recall that. Am I crazy? Anyways, crazy for Doritos, right? Free spot there. Frito-Lay, good job. So, let's talk about Halloween. Let's talk about, is this truly a satanic holiday? The answer is yes. I mean, there's only there's only three satanic holidays in the books. There is Valpergas Night, or May Day, or Beltane. Uh, there's two more. There's Halloween. And do you know what number three is? Number three... Is your birthday. Well, not your... Yeah, your birthday. My birthday. Your your own birthday, right? You know, chew on that for a moment. Let that sink in the next time you want to throw yourself a little narcissistic birthday party. You're participating 
in a satanic ritual. Anton LaVey, founder of the Church of Satan, a.k.a. the Black Pope, he wrote about this in his book called The Devil's Notebook. Short read. But he said, basically, if you're a Satanist, Halloween is supposed to be every night for you. So all the people out there that enjoy Halloween, they're Satanists. Mm-hmm. Believe that. That's uh, that's the truth. Apparently, I enjoy Halloween. I guess I'm a Satanist. But no, seriously though, the the big point is, I've been talking about this for years. Is this idea that we actually live in a pretty satanic culture, and it's true. We celebrate the gory holiday of Halloween, and that is. Uh, you know, there's like some studies that show the interest and in money spent for Halloween is rising at a much higher rate than Christmas. So, what do we do with that? Today I want to cover the fringe elements of this holiday. You could arguably just go to Wikipedia and, and read their version. They being a collective sort of consciousness, because everyone can contribute to that website, but... Uh, you know, that's some more of the official version. I want to talk about the fringe stuff, stuff you can't get there. Some of the more occult elements on today's show. And uh, big ups to Jimmy the Jackhammer. He floated this idea. He reached out and floated the idea. And I like it. I like it a lot. It, you know, it's like uh, the Simpsons. They had the, the Halloween episodes. Those are the best ones. So this would be the best, the best episode of the podcast. So, before I get into the pagan rites of Halloween, Samhain, let's talk about the film Halloween. Obviously, this is a standout as one of the greatest horror films of all time. It was, I believe, the biggest moneymaker for an independent film, much less a, a horror film of all time. If you're not listening to the Halloween Uncovered podcast... I advise that if you're a fan of the movies. I am myself. And I just actually watched the new 2018 film, the the Blumhouse Halloween reboot. I've got some notes on that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil that plot for you, okay? But the but I will tell you something. The intro, the the, the beginning of the film is great. The there's a a lot of homages to the original Halloween one and a couple to Halloween two to look for and Halloween three, don't forget Halloween three the one that did not have Michael Myers. There are some uh, some things I caught in the film because I'm I'm very in tune. I just got done watching the first few, but yeah, in the in the new Halloween film you see all these sort of references. You see the uh, the masks from Halloween three if you look hard enough. Um, anyways, yeah. I don't want to get into it too too much. It's very enjoyable. But uh but the Halloween movie series actually has some very interesting occult connections which are rooted in reality which we'll get into in this show. For instance, uh Michael Myers, he's got a tattoo on his wrist of a a rune. A R U N E rune, not a not a not a ancient ruin. Uh, it's called the Curse of the Thorn, and it plays into the the uh, the curse of Michael Myers. This idea that he is 
related to the ancient pagan sacrifices. And what's curious is that in the new Halloween film, there's also a tattoo element to the plot. One of the one of the young men gets a 10-31-2018 tattoo. The mark of the beast, if you will. The mark. Remember that the uh, the tattoos used to be a used to be considered uh, a bit satanic themselves. And today's culture, tattoos are very commonplace. They said not you weren't supposed to defile God's creation with the tattoos. You know, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what they say. Uh, now, Halloween three. That film has occult connections when you consider that the whole plot, and I will spoil this plot, so if you haven't if you've been waiting for the right time to watch Halloween three, it's been thirty years, it's time to check it out. <laughs> but uh the masks that the little kids wear, they have pieces of Stonehenge in them. Now Stonehenge plays into this whole uh Halloween Sawin thing because the pagans did sacrifice rituals there on on uh, October 31st every year. And Halloween 3 also has a bit of sort of Westworld feel when you find out the the people are these robots. Uh, but anyways, yeah, the, so the film Halloween, while it's not loaded down with tons of occult imagery, there are some interesting connections there to consider. So looking at the date for Halloween, are there pagan roots for this holiday? Yes, Absolutely. Um, we'll go a bit deeper into that as well, but um, the main idea here is that Halloween is one of two fire festivals held by the the pagan Celtic traditions. Uh, the other is May Day, of course, it's Valpurgis Night, right? In the Satanic uh, Church of Satan, like I said, there's three holidays: there's Valpurgis Night, Halloween, and your birthday. So All Hallows Eve, October thirty first is also the day before All Saints Day, November 1st. They were, um, that was the, the New Year's Eve was October 31st. Because uh, these, you know, these main dates, they, they divided the year up into two uh, to coincide with the, the pastoral lives of the Celts that had to rotate their crops out and the cattle to prepare for the seasons. So uh, the, these traditions, like in Ireland, they would light the, the uh, the bonfire on October 31st, and it would light all the other flames and try to keep the, the flames alive all year long. But October 31st was basically the pagan New Year's Eve, uh, a riotous affair, if you will. The European cultures also celebrate this as the passage from autumn to winter, representing the day that the, the veil was the thinnest and the souls would visit, or revisit, I should say, their homes that they, their families lived in. Now, the, uh, the consideration here for the bonfires, and you've seen Wicker Man, the 1973 version Wicker Man, that, that all takes place up in that area, up in the uh, Scottish Highlands. And they're referencing this druid, rich pagan history that they've got up there. And what that film is about is about the human sacrifices. You would load the sacrifice up into the giant wicker man, light it on fire as a sacrifice to the gods, which is what the Burning Man Festival is every year, too. It's the same thing. Light your your sacrifice chamber on fire. 
Now, if you look at Moloch in, in terms of Illuminati symbolism, we talk about Moloch often. He is the, the horned bull god of the Mesopotamian culture. The Canaanites in the Bible talked about this. They would sacrifice their babies to the, the bull god, the Moloch, Baal, B-A-A-L. And the Baal fires became Baal fires. It became bonfires. It's all the same thing. So, the looking at the uh, the rituals of this day, you see all these cultures in, in Europe, they would light the bonfires, the bale fires, on October 31st and try to keep that, that flame alit all year long. Now, if you look at the Satanic Bible, Anton LaVey asserts that all of these things are based off Druid... Uh, all these... Uh, all of these uh, rituals that happen... On Halloween, they're based off of druid practices. When the spirits of the dead and the demons and the witches were hyperactive. Back then, they, the young people would perform magic rituals to determine their future marriage partners while the older people barricaded themselves inside in fear of all these evil spirits and witches and demons that had the extra powers on that night. Again, if you if you take a big the big picture look at all this, uh, ritual magic, witchcraft, Satanism, paganism, druids, and today's Halloween, we we can see that they're all kind of connected. Uh, the, the Church of Satan, they practice witchcraft and magic uh, rituals and such. It's all kind of related to this idea that man can become God and man can use the thoughts to create reality. As above, so below. You hear that phrase often because that's what they believe in. That's what that little Satanist Harry Potter believes in. Creating uh, man's mental emanations create the reality. Now, before we dive into more Halloween topics... Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is an annual ritual as well. It's the longest running theater, uh, you know, picture, and happens every year. I know because I attend. I'm a big fan. I know I'm I'm being naughty, <laughs> but the the, the uh, you know, and because this tale is all about these sexual aliens who come to Earth as the as the Luciferian force to enlighten Brad, asshole, Janet, slut. Those are, of course, those are the call and responses in the theater, by the way. I would never slut shame Janet. That's But, but that's what we yell when she comes out. Janet is the Scarlet Woman, the Whore of Babylon, the Harbinger of Death. That is what... Uh, Marjorie Cameron, Aleister Crowley, they were all looking looking for or pretending to be the Scarlet Woman. I guess you can figure out who was who, right? Uh, but anyways, I wrote a whole book on Rocky Horror Picture Show, if you're interested in that topic. It's it's the best one you'll ever find. It's the only one you'll ever find. It's called, it's called It's Just a Jump to the Left, The Unauthorized Guide to Occult Symbolism in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's actually a... 
a component of a larger assembly of books called Alice in Rocky Horror Land. If you want to learn more about Rocky Horror, Alice in Wonderland, Google and the Transhuman Death, <laughs> and uh, what was the other book in that one? The Alchemist. Uh, Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist. I'll talk about that. But anyways, you, you can get all those on Amazon or Audible, by the way. Uh, the the Rocky Horror one, when I studied to write that, it it blew my mind. I, I didn't realize how much cult influence this uh, somewhat innocent movie had. I was um, I was shocked to see these uh, pansexual Nazi aliens and Aleister Crowley's Aeon of Horus coming coming true in this annual ritual. Of course, uh, Doctor Frankenfurter, he's the androgynous Baphomet, the the reconciled opposite, the uh, male and female elements all in one. So uh, I I didn't want to. I don't want to go deep into that because in the past, if you go back in the podcast directory a couple years, you'll find the Rocky Horror Picture Show episode. So if you've already heard that, you know, sorry. But yeah, if, uh, in fact, if you follow me on Instagram at Isaac Weishaupt, I may, and I and I emphasize may because I'm not promising you this, but there's a very strong chance I might dress up as Dr. Frankenfurter this year as the alchemical reconciled opposite and I'll put a picture on there for you maybe we'll see all right okay so let's get into uh Halloween a bit deeper right I created an analysis uh, a year ago actually I wrote one several years ago but then I kind of cleaned it up based upon new understandings uh because previously I felt like it had a bit too much of a satanic panic element in it so let's get into it. Uh, Samhain, what looks like it's spelled like Samhain, <laughs> but it's pronounced Samhain. Don't ask me why. It's the pagan New Year, the 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 witch's greatest holiday. Runs, of course, over October thirty first, and uh, originally celebrated in the uh, the British Isles and Scotland, of course, with the Celtic pagan roots I talked about earlier. Uh, but the the witches believe it marks a day of death for the horned god and the beginning of the new year. Uh, this was taken out of the uh, the Complete Idiot's Guide to Wicca and Witchcraft. So I didn't want the, the readers to think I was being a bit, I don't know, extreme with Christian views. But that's what, they, that's what it says in there. It says that the witches believe it is the day of the dead for the horned god. Because the the stag god is celebrated by these these witches, that's why you see the the horned deity Moloch. Okay. Now another book we need to look at is the Golden Bough, James Fraser's The Golden Bough: Study of Magic and Religion, and he describes the commemoration of Samhain as an annual ritual. He says, in ancient Ireland, a new fire used to be kindled every year on Halloween or the Eve of Samhain. And from this sacred flame, all the fires in Ireland were rekindled. Such a custom points strongly to Samhain or All Saints Day as New Year's Day, since the annual kindling of a new fire takes place most naturally at the beginning of the year. And that's what I was talking about earlier, okay? So, the idea that October 31st represents New Year's Eve only further 
emphasizes the idea that this is a ritualistic concept we have. Every year it repeats. Um, and when you talk about repeating rituals, you have to look at the blood sacrifice. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands, and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago and the hills ran wrecked with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices are part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft? To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. Uh, this is another popular concept. Halloween is the commemoration and visitation of the dead. The, uh, the witches, they celebrate by partaking of a meal in which every bite is used to focus on a particular memory of someone they lost. And this transition period for the celebration of the dead was also believed to be when the dead would revisit their homes. Again, that was taken from the Golden Bough. Uh, I can read that for you here. Another, It says, Another circumstance of great moment which points to the same conclusion as the association of the dead with Halloween. Not only among Celts, but throughout Europe, Halloween, the night which marks the transition from autumn to winter, seems to have been of old the time of year when the souls of the departed were supposed to revisit their old homes in order to warm themselves by the fire and to comfort themselves with the good cheer provided for them in the kitchen or the parlor by their affectionate kinsfolk. Now, as far as the human sacrifice ideas, uh, on Wikipedia, you could consolidate a few of the Irish mythologies. It, the, uh, the website claims that uh, the tales suggest offerings and sacrifices were made at Samhain, um, and they cite the Book of Invasions, which says that Samhain and the people of the Nemed had to give two-thirds of their children corn and milk not the corn, not the milk, to uh, these monsters called the Fomorians. And the Fomorians seem to represent harmful or destructive powers of nature, personifications of chaos, darkness, death, blight, and drought. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the tribute paid by the people of the Nebids represented the sacrifice offered at the beginning of winter. And it goes on and on. But uh, the idea here is that, you know, winter starts... Here's your blood sacrifice. And the Celts, they also were alleged to have been sacrificing the humans and animals and animals in these large bonfires or, or ball fires, as we talked about. Uh, they could have been trying to break the spells of witches. Or they could have been conducting the Druid Wickerman burnings. Uh, Fraser in the Golden Bow also did some studies on this and suggested that they weren't just regular people that were being sacrificed, but they were actually witches is what he believed. Um, taking a small excerpt, looking at why were men and animals burnt to death at these festivals? If we are right in interpreting the modern European fire festivals as attempts to break the power of witchcraft by burning or banning the witches and warlocks, it seems to follow that we must explain the human sacrifices of the Celts in the same manner. That is, we must suppose that the men whom the Druids burnt in wicker work images were condemned to death on the ground that they were witches or wizards. Goes on a bit further, blah, blah, blah. Uh, cut through, it says, They, too, we may conjecture, were supposed to be either under the spell of witchcraft or actually to be the witches and wizards who had transformed themselves into animals for the purpose of prosecuting their infernal plots against the welfare of their fellow creatures. So again, there's a bit of a, a, a bit of vagueness here, but it's pretty safe to say that blood sacrifices were conducted on this date. Whether or not it was a, a persecution of witches, or um, maybe maybe the druids conducting the sacrifices for the for the horned god maybe it's hard to say uh, speaking of the horned god these pagan cultures they worshiped the stag god represented by the uh, the stag the elk is an elk a stag i don't know i'm not a hunter <laughs> but it represents the hunt and the animal giving up its life in order to keep the hunter alive Again, it's it's a sacrifice idea here. So the stag god is a consort to the triple goddess. These are, are uh, in witchcraft, Wicca. In fact, Lady Gaga was embodied and pictured as the triple goddess 
if you, uh, I'm trying to think, of, it was on a magazine cover. Anyways, I did an analysis, is Lady Gaga in the Illuminati, and it's on there. But yeah, she's clearly depicted as the triple goddess, maiden, mother, and crone. Uh, which the triple goddess focuses on Samhain through the, the crone goddess as well. Um, now, Fraser, he elaborated upon this idea of sacrifice through fire, which is technically defined as Holocaust, which brings a very disturbing element to the, you know, uh, Hitler Holocaust thing, right? I don't know. Why do we call it that? That's pretty terrible, huh? Anyways, the sacrifice through fire, the Holocaust, in which he associates many traditions in a, of a similar nature. And some are pagan, which supports this idea that they sacrifice humans to a pagan deity more so than the idea of burning the witches. And he says, Now, in the fire festivals which we are discussing, the pretense of burning people is sometimes carried so far that it seems reasonable to regard it as a mitigated survival of an older custom of actually burning them. Thus is Aachen, as we saw, the man clad in pea straw acts so cleverly that the children really believe he's being burned. In Normandy, the man clad all in green, who bore the title of the Green Wolf, was pursued by his comrades, and when they caught him, they feigned to fling upon the midsummer bonfire. Similarly, at the Beltane fires in Scotland, the pretended victim was seized, and a show made of throwing him into the flames, and for some time afterwards, people affected to speak of him as dead. Now, rewind two sentences there. Uh, he talked about the different cultures that, that pr- conducted this sort of mock sacrifice, very similar to Bohemian Grove, with the cremation of care mock sacrifice. But anyways, he talked about the Green Wolf, which I found curious because in the new Halloween film, at the beginning... And this isn't a uh, plot spoiler. At the beginning, you hear them saying, uh, <laughs> you, you'll hear the phrase, feed the wolf. Let's just say that. And I thought that was very disturbing. And I'm not, I wasn't sure why. Could it be a reference to the sacrifice ritual? Now, when we talk about the fires that they set, this practice of setting fires has roots in worship of the sun. Which, when you look at the Illuminati or the Illuminated Ones, you can't go too far without reading about solar worship. Um, Fraser offered up an explanation on the solar theory as well. He says, But we naturally ask, how did it come about that benefits so great and manifold were supposed to be attained by means so simple? In what way did people imagine they could procure so many goods or avoid so many ills by the application of fire and smoke, embers and ashes. Two different explanations of the fire festival have been given. On the one hand, it has been held that they are sun charms or magical ceremonies intended on the principle of imitative magic to ensure a needful supply of sunshine for men, animals and plants by kindling fires which mimic on earth the great source of light and heat in the sky. It may be called the solar theory. So, so it seems through imitative magic, they're trying to, uh, you know, it's kind of a rain dance, right? They're trying to make the sun uh, 
provide for them. So we we see this link here, this link between the fires, the the sacrifice, the sun deities, ritual magic, and all these themes we've been exploring in our entertainment to this day. I don't need to tell you about all the examples, but it's it's happening, right? Now, one of the practices of Halloween is divination. Uh, earlier we talked about these young couples that would perform divination in the druid cultures to try to make make contact with these entities from another dimension to have tell them the future. Uh, now, the, the, uh, the origins of Halloween's divination practices come from Samhain, of course, and the Celts. Uh, on the new year, they would use this to predict their fortunes. Um... From the book, we can read, it says, Another confirmation of the view that the Celts dated their year from the 1st of November is furnished by the manifold modes of divination, which were commonly resorted to by Celtic peoples on Halloween for the purpose of ascertaining their destiny. So when you when you hear about that, again, we can root this back to the pagan cultures. Now, many people believed that the devil was the one assisting and predicting the future. And what's curious here is that they would look at the eaten apples to determine if the shape of the remains were similar to a letter. And the letter would be symbolic of the name of the mate that the person could have. But the apples, if you look at the, uh, the uh, when, you, when you cut it in half, you can see there's a five-pointed star made from the from the core there, the pentacle. And of course, the five-pointed star represents uh, earth, wind, fire, water, and spirit. And this is important in the the, uh, the the culture of witchcraft. And of course, they would use these divinations for other things like how many children will they have, how long would they live. Um, but anyways, attempts to read the future are definitely a cult in nature. And Halloween is known for a day as the most popular day for divination. And when you see the, uh, you know, people put up decorations of, of uh, bats and owls and black cats. These were believed to be incarnations of the devil as part of the divination process. And the witches could use these animals or powers from the dark lord to help predict the future. Uh, and some of the more conservative Christian schools of thought believe that only the devil can provide these powers of fortune telling, which is why there's the Faustian bargain theories and uh, the the idea of signing the contract with the devil. Now, my the the first article I wrote on Halloween was derived from Christian resources, okay, uh, like a book called Pagan Traditions of the Holidays, written by Dr. David Ingram. And I will talk about this now, but I'm going to tell you it comes from a biased point of view. Now, whatever team you're on, I don't know, but I just want to be upfront about that because I, uh, I am fair and balanced. I'm like Fox News. They, <laughs> they claim they are, but you're getting fair and balanced information right here because I'm only interested in the truth and that is it. So looking at the Druid cultures, the uh, in Halloween during Halloween, 
they would gather at the Stonehenges of Europe. And I read someone's account of this, and they said that the the Druids indeed would, would gather, and the witches would practice the human sacrifice. They would hollow out the pumpkins and the turnips and carve faces in them. And then they would use candles made from human fat to illuminate these things, which is where you get the pumpkins on the front porch. And uh, again, the, the Druids would play these games like bobbing for apples and uh, perform sex magic have a little sexy time known as the great right uh up near stonehenge so that was a that was a an assessment i read about it from a guy who claimed he was from a line of of witches so the uh the gourds and the pumpkins they were called corpse candles now known as jack-o'-lanterns again filled with human fat sacrificed to the gods the witches would also, or the druids would also bring cauldrons and light them on fire, uh, preparing for the human sacrifices. And the druids would knock on the doors of the local people and yell trick or treat to see if the lord of the manor would come to provide a treat. And the treat would be one of the servants or maybe even one of the family members given up for sacrifice that night. And their reward in turn for the treat would be a pumpkin filled with human fat that they could light so that everyone in the house would be protected from the demonic spirits present on Samhain. I don't know about you, but if someone uh, pushed me out the door for a sacrifice, I wouldn't be too thrilled about that. Some family member that would be. Now, if you look at the symbols of Halloween, uh, if you didn't give up an offering... Maybe you uh, don't want to give up your, your siblings or whatever. You'd get a six-pointed star inside of a circle, a hexagram, painted with blood on the front door. And this would attract the demons, and the people inside would be plagued with these demonic curses during Samhain. Now, these human sacrifices, they would be gathered up, and the druids would throw apples into the cauldrons and give the humans a chance to pull the apples out with their teeth for a chance for freedom. I mean, note the cauldrons were boiling hot for the sacrifices. And some went for it, and they'd get burned uh, with you know permanent damage or whatever. But those who did not get the apple on the first try were beheaded immediately. And those who avoided the challenge altogether would be sacrificed in a fiery death. Now, I don't know who was... <laughs> who wouldn't try for the apple, but that's what the book said, okay? And of course, there was a wicker man with the wicker cages inside of it. Uh, they would put Nicholas Cage inside of the wicker man and light it on fire, sacrifice to the gods, because we only give our, our best and brightest, and that would be Nicholas Cage. But uh, yeah, the Burning Man ceremony, of course, is part of this, right? Now, when we talk about costumes... There's a ritual known as guising, where disguises were worn from house to house, portraying dead spirits wandering the streets. Because as you know, they, they claim that the veil is thin and the spirits would be visiting their homes. So people would dress up as these spirits and they would be offered a treat so they wouldn't start problems with the homeowners. And at first, the people would place the hollowed out pumpkins and food on the front step to guide these spirits. And it would evolve, of course, into handing out candy to the children. 
Now, speaking of the thin veil, there is a belief that the spirits were able to cross over between our world and theirs. And the three days around Samhain are the most potent times of the year for divination and sacrifice for this reason. Because it's easy transportation of energy across this, uh, this, this barrier. And since the veil between the worlds is the thinnest, you can see into the realms of the spirit world and the fairies. Uh, and the witches and the pagans, they believe that the, the death and life go hand in hand. That we just transport across this barrier. You can't have one without the other, and we should celebrate both. So when they let go of the lost ones, it opens the door for something new. Which is why, as part of the triple goddess, the mother, maiden, and crone, the crone is worshipped during Halloween. She is the oldest woman. She is the depiction for death. So how interesting is this? Uh, When we look at Halloween... Uh, It's very controversial in nature, but I believe we can call it a satanic holiday. And I say this for a couple of reasons. If you look at the roots of magical practice, the, uh, the church of Satan, of course, calls out, this is one of the great holidays and the church of Satan practices ritual magic. That's not to say everyone who practices magic worships Satan. But the Church of Satan doesn't even worship Satan officially. Don't ask me how that works. Uh, but it's very interesting because the uh, the popularity of Halloween is increasing. The occult revelation of the method has been more present in recent times than ever before. TV shows and movies like uh, Lucifer, uh, The Exorcist, The Magicians, Supernatural, Salem... Of course, the Halloween films that we talked about already, Harry Potter, Ghost Adventures. There's a million ghost hunting shows. If you like ghost hunting, this is your month. If you like sports, this is your month too, on a side note. Every sports ball game out there is happening right now. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that is uh, what I wanted to get into today. I want to get into all the fringy sort of elements of Halloween uh, because let's face it, BuzzFeed and those kind of websites that do this stuff too, they're, they're lame. They are lame-o McLamersons. But yeah, that, uh, that wraps up all of the research. That's a lot of it come from the golden bow. And of course, Anton LaVey's writings, because he was very much interested in Halloween. Sawin. So the next time someone says that, Halloween is not a satanic holiday. You can correct them and say, oh, yes, it is. It's actually one of three satanic holidays. But I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for putting the reviews out there on iTunes. Uh, We're almost up to 300, folks. We're almost up to 300, and that means a lot to me. I want to get the numbers up there. Uh, Big ups to Denalig, Tarot Gal1239, Duke Jules. Sarah, Moyet, nineteen sixty four, <laughs> Mrs. Diva, nineteen seventy one, and all the other people leaving comments and reviews on iTunes. I do appreciate that. I do read them all, and I actually take your advice to heart and your feedback. So, lay it all out on the line. I got a thick skin. I can take it. Uh, but yeah, thanks for the reviews. Thanks for reviews on Amazon for my books. Again, uh, if you want to celebrate Halloween, get the Rocky Horror Picture Show book. I called it. It's just a jump to the left. 
It's available on Amazon and Audible. You can get it as part of a larger collection of books I wrote called Alice in Rocky Horrorland. Again, Amazon and Audible. Uh, and in the, uh, in the Rocky Horror thing, I've got like little screenshots too. It's pretty cool. So, anyways, I want to thank you for listening. As always, be your best for those who deserve your best. Hi everyone, this is Isaac from IlluminatiWatcher.com. Before we start the show, I just want to give a brief note that today is not the standard interview format. Instead, I'll be talking about this project that I just released called It's Just a Jump to the Left, The Unauthorized Guide to Occult Symbolism in Rocky Horror Picture Show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Now most of you already know because I sent out a survey to you guys that are on the email list uh, about which projects you wanted to see coming up. And this is one of the ones on that. But one of the reasons I'm releasing this on the podcast stream is because I want everyone to know that I am doing a free promotion download giveaway on Amazon Kindle. You can get this Rocky Horror Picture Show Symbolism Guide until March 16th, 2016 for free. If you're listening to the show after that, my apologies. If you sign up for the the email newsletter on my website, IlluminatiWatcher.com, you will be notified of these sort of things in the future because I do these randomly. Typically, as new books release, I'll do uh, free promotion giveaways. It's sort of my way of giving back and saying thanks because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people out there, kind of help me make sense of these theories because I'll write what I believe, then I'll read through comments or get emails or whatever. And uh, a lot of the stuff that people tell me, you know, I actually listen to it. And sometimes it helps mold my perception of things. And this is kind of like a project I believe we have started, so to speak. So uh, it's just my way of saying thanks. And in this book, you'll see that the tone of my writing is starting to change slightly. I use more references to the planned destruction of Christianity because I believe that is more evident and most of you that have been following me for some years know that that's not a 
place I wanted to take this to. I tried to keep things pretty secular when I started out, but it's becoming more clear that the big agenda is the destruction of Christianity, including other religions, but Christianity seems to be the one with the, that's the big problem for them. I don't get too into the fire and brimstone stuff, but it is mentioned in the book. So anyways, if you're listening, please go to IlluminatiWatcher.com and you will find the article about this. It's called It's Just a Jump to the Left. Click on the article and in it you'll find the link that will take you to the free book download giveaway. And again, you've only got until March 16th, 2016. If you're listening to this after that, my apologies. Please sign up for the email newsletter on IlluminatiWatcher.com and you will be notified of these things in the future. I keep everybody up to date with the status of promotions. So here it is. Here is the audio. I actually use this for the YouTube video. So if you wanted to check out the YouTube channel, I've got the same audio uh, put against images that were provided in the book. So anyways, I hope you enjoy. Uh, oh, one final caveat. I, I've actually got a paperback of this as well. So if you go to IlluminatiWatcher.com, click on the article for it's just a jump to the left. You'll see I've got a create space link. You can get it on Amazon as well, but they haven't linked the two books together yet. Long story. But anyways, you can get it as well. I've got some copies that I'm going to be autographing if people want to buy it that way. That'll be available in my Gumroad store probably in April 2016. Uh, anyways, enjoy the show. Thanks. Hi everyone, this is Isaac from IlluminatiWatcher.com. Today I'd like to talk about a subject that is close to my heart and close to several of yours, I believe. It is about the film from the 70s that is the longest running film in theater history. This is a film that I grew up on. I listen to all the songs, I know all the lyrics, I attend the annual showings, and of course this film is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Now, why I want to talk about it is because I've seen a lot of the things we've been talking about on IlluminatiWatcher.com and in my books for the last several years. A lot of these same themes show up in Rocky Horror Picture Show. I hadn't been aware of this because when you grow up being a fan of this sort of thing and I'm, I'm a part of the, uh, the cult following of Rocky Horror... Uh, it takes a certain amount of self-awareness to understand that maybe I've been duped all this time. Now that doesn't mean I want to trash the film and never watch it again, and I'll explain my feelings later on, but I wanted to kind of go into the sort of hidden agenda here that seems pretty obvious once you look into it. In fact, when I started peeling back the layers, I found an overwhelming amount of evidence and supporting material so what I did was, I put together this project, this book. And this book is called, It's Just a Jump to the Left, The Unauthorized Guide to Occult Symbolism in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is now available on all of your major book outlets. But the point is, I wrote this book because there's way too much to explain in one post on the website or one video on YouTube. It's approximately 20,000 words, but if you can pick up the book, you can see all of my arguments presented with some screenshots from the film, which are fair use that I use to display some of the concepts. 
but I wanted to provide this as a way of kind of guiding you through what we're going to talk about. First, I'd like to cover sort of my interests in Rocky Horror. You know, I grew up with uh, driving around with my father as a child, and he used to always listen to the Rocky Horror Picture Show soundtrack on a cassette tape. And it's very strange because he's not... He was kind of a big burly dude, you know, worked in a prison. He was uh, as a prison guard. He didn't work. He wasn't incarcerated. But but the point is, uh, you know, he was always into this sort of thing. This, And it wasn't any other show tune. It was always just Rocky Horror. And I believe I've inherited his sort of attraction to these dark arts. Because the more I learn about the occult, the more I find that a lot of these artists and films that I've always loved... They've always got this kind of Luciferian tinge to them. So not surprisingly, Rocky Horror is the same way. So I want to be clear that I I really do enjoy the film. I enjoy the songs. I'm going to the, the annual showings. Uh, and on some levels, that makes me a hypocrite because I'm saying, look, I think there's a Luciferian doctrine in this film. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to, uh, I'm still trying to work on myself, trying to figure out how far I want to take this belief system and, you know, how much I want to practice what I preach, so to speak. Because look, I'm just like you. I'm just like everyone out there. I struggle with my own issues and it's just the fact that I've become awake in these last few years and being able to spot this sort of hidden agenda in entertainment. I'm, I'm still not fully unplugged from the matrix yet, right? Most of us are still plugged in somewhat. We, we're supposed to live in this world, but not of this world. And I struggle with the latter. I struggle with trying to break free from being of the world. And besides, I don't want to get negative with things. I try to keep things positive and an open mind. But anyways, I, I understand it's a conflicting message, but bear with me. Because the purpose here is I want to just reveal this, uh, this potentially sinister agenda that's hidden in this film. It's part of this Illuminati evolution of consciousness I've been talking about for some time now. Because once I break down everything, you'll see that there is indeed a Luciferian agenda in this film. Without a doubt. Now that's not to say the film is entirely bad. It's kind of like a lot of these liberal ideas that some of them I support. I've supported my whole life. It's kind of like these ideas of equality for people. Having an open mind. Not living up to society's norms which I agree with on some level because I'm sort of anti-establishment and I think that's healthy because if you just go with the flow of what everyone else is doing now you're being led like a sheep to whatever the end goal is and this is where a lot of a lot of our paths converge and diverge is because some of us believe in like a new age sort of religion that's anti-establishment Whereas I'm Christian, and which is part of the establishment, uh, allegedly. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I just know what I believe and what works for me, and I don't judge other people for what they believe. I'm fine with whatever. But as long as you're not being led down a path that you're not making active decisions, I'm supportive of it. And this film is very much trying to relay the message of, look, everyone's their own person. Everyone's got their own journey. Allow people to have that freedom. The issue is that when you start looking at some of the themes that show up in this film, you'll see a lot of the stuff we've been talking about. We're talking about how this film shows up 
annually as part of a ritual on the pagan holiday of Samhain. And it draws its viewers into this kind of dark world of sex magic and Luciferian doctrine. And there's a purpose for that time warp dance. And we'll get into that a bit later. But we're going to learn a lot about how there's this idea of this perfected form of mankind, which is androgynous and not a male-female dichotomy. We'll learn about Frankenfurter and how he was uh, kind of the, the Prometheus character. This is a Luciferian doctrine. Of course, Aleister Crowley's in here with the Aeon of Ahorus, his channeling of this alien lamb. And, you know, in the Rocky Horror film, there's these pansexual aliens from another dimension, transsexual Transylvania. They are the vampires of the Klepoth. And we'll learn how the time warp is this Dionysian ritual where they're trying to cross through and become perfected. In the book, I also go into some of the backgrounds of some of the people that are related to this film that you wouldn't expect. People like Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, Lady Gaga, Anton LaVey, Kenneth Anger. They all have relations to this thing, which ties us into Aleister Crowley and whatnot. But ultimately, the film has a lot of these kind of hidden secret teachings of alchemy and Kabbalah, transhumanism, these, uh, and the pursuit of this self-deification agenda of becoming God. Again, that's the theme we always see. We, uh, I talked about that in Sacrifice Magic Behind the Mic, the hip-hop conspiracy book. It's a lot of these artists and entertainers, they're embodying this occult belief system in becoming a god. That's why you see Kanye West as thinking he's Jesus, calling himself Jesus. Beyonce is Beezus. Jay-Z is Hova. And the list goes on and on. It's a self-deification idea. So in the book, I guide you through one chapter at a time, and we start out with talk about nihilism and the this YOLO movement of the modern day. This is the you only live once attitude. And we see this play out in the film because when, they, when Brad and Janet show up at the castle, it seems very dark. And eventually, it switches over to this I, like sex magic stuff with love. But then it gets absolved into this void of the abyss, which is the ultimate goal for a lot of these people trying to traverse the tree of life. That's why at the end of the film, there's a film, there's a song called Superheroes. And in it, they talk a lot about what's going on here. And it actually embodies the, the end game of nihilism, where it says stuff about how... Uh, the human race are insects lost in time, lost in space and meaning. Well, that's exactly what is encapsulated in the nihilism movement, which is what we're experiencing right now. Now, a lot of confusion happens here because the YOLO movement is what is fueling a lot of decisions nowadays by the, you know, perhaps the youth, the millennials, I don't know. But it's this recurring theme we see over and over. And people are confusing it with Nietzsche's nihilism stuff where he talks about living without re regrets. Because YOLO is kind of living every day and without regrets. But in all reality, if you study Nietzsche's work, he talked about how you should use this kind of YOLO idea to reduce the number of regrets. But YOLO actually introduces more regrets because you're not considering the future. Nonetheless, the, the point is that nihilism has become a way of life that most of us are unaware of. 
we're kind of soaked into this world of believing life is meaningless and there's nothing after this life. It's sort of a, an atheistic sort of view of the world. You know, Nietzsche was the guy who was talking about there's no God. And the idea is that they want to abandon this sort of moral code that we've built as a society in order to wipe the slate clean and rebuild it with a new moral code. When you consider that the Latin derivative of nihilism, nihil, means nothing, you can see that that's the end game. They want to destroy everything. This is why in 2016 you're going to see the film X-Men Apocalypse. It's talking about destroying the world so that they can rebuild it according to a new belief system. Because the ultimate game, the ultimate end game, like I'm always talking about, it seems like they're trying to just destroy Christianity. I mean, they want to destroy all world religions, but it seems like they've got a particular beef with Christianity. And look, I, I, you know me, I don't really get into a lot of this kind of trying to Bible thumb stuff. I kind of leave my religion separate from my work, but the fact of the matter is they're converging. The truth is, is that they're really trying to destroy Christianity in the end. And that's why you see a Rocky Horror Picture Show, Frankenfurter is trying to sell his idea of reality and morality to planet Earth. He's the Luciferian Prometheus that comes to Earth to try to show us the new way, the new world order. Brad and Janet buy into it, and we're left with wondering what is the proper way forward. Should we abandon our society-formed morals? And that is the question. Of course, we all know Riff Raff ends it all when he says it's over, your, fail your mission is a failure, your lifestyle is too extreme. But it doesn't matter. Frankenfurter came to plant the seed. And that's why we see this film showing up every year. Because Frankenfurter was the alien that came down here as the Prometheus character. He stole fire from Zeus and gave it to the humans to enlighten them. He is the fallen angel that is enlightening mankind with his way of thinking, with this new world order. Now in my book I go through more connections with this Prometheus idea. When you consider that the novel written by Mary Shelley called Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus, that's actually the subtitle, or the Modern Prometheus, that is the same concept that we're seeing with a lot of these films nowadays. Because in Rocky Horror, not only is the main idea behind this that Frankenfurter is kind of like the modern Dr. Frankenstein, but we hear it because the castle they're in is called the Frankenstein Castle. They're using actual props from the Frankenstein films from the Hammer Horror days. This is again just one more play on science being our new doctrine of looking at life as the new religion. That's why Frankenfurter is in fact a doctor and a scientist. He is the guiding star that they talk about when Brad and Janet are singing over at the Frankenstein place. When they say, in the velvet darkness of the blackest night, burning bright, there's a guiding star. Dr. Frankenfurter is the guiding star. He's the light bearer of Lucifer, who fell like lightning. So let's consider the idea that Frankenfurter, who is indeed an alien, as the story tells us, is this new perfected form of mankind. His androgynous 
characteristics are not much different than what a lot of occultists believe in as the true form of uh, alien god, right? And look, I want to throw a caveat out there because this film isn't 100% um, occultish, I should say, because that message could also be considered just a message of equality because back when this was you know, written in the 70s, things were a lot different than they are nowadays. Like the film definitely has an aspect of supporting the LGBT movement and that kind of idea. So I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to take that away from it. But I need you to consider the ideas of the Baphomet, which is saying that there is a perfected form of mankind which removes the roles of male and female, which again ties us into this nihilism idea of destroying the social norms that we know of and trying to replace it with a new code. Indeed, we find out that Frankenfurter's character is neither male or female. He is a third sex. That's from the, the writer, Richard O'Brien, who is the one that plays the role of Riff Raff. Frank is the evolved form of mankind. When they interviewed Tim Curry, who's the man who plays Frankenfurter, he directly tells us that the character is pansexual, meaning they are blind to gender. There's no sexual preference. It's a lot like the, uh, the character of Deadpool that I wrote uh, a whole different article on. But it's the idea that you can differentiate from male and female and have a different third path. But he does have a... He's very, he's very unhappy about his temper. Yes. He does get the better of him. He does, he does serve people up his meals. Right. Do you think that this is influencing the uh, youth of America or even elsewhere uh, to uh, try things that possibly uh, society would con condemn? I don't know that it's, uh, that it's influencing them to try it at all. I think it's just influencing them to keep their mind a little more open. And that is, that, is, and that is certainly a victory. Yes, it is. Just to say, you know, listen, all things are possible, and let's entertain the possibility. Right. It doesn't mean to say you have to rush out you know, and screw anything that moves. Also, it has a very good effect in the idea of tolerance. We accept, these kids are going to accept the difference of people without looking at them with such disdain. Well, I think so, because, I mean, the thing about Frankenfurter is that, that, that his sexual tastes are, I mean, uh, uh, completely pansexual. I mean, he's really... He's really interested in in uh, in the sort of corners of people, or in or in the obvious uh, uh, parts of people's nature. And he finds he finds most people attractive, really, and he'll entertain the notion of, of sleeping with anybody, really. But he, he's actually seeing it's quite kind of as people, you know, not as not as you know obvious sort of sexual vibrations or anything. And so, and because he is an attractive person. On, on a kind of double level. I mean, it makes it so much easier to handle. Mm -hmm. But you said there's no similarity between you and that character in any way, right? Oh, I don't know what the similarities are. I mean, I'll probably still be documenting them for the next sort of 20 years. I mean, uh, the thing about playing somebody like that is it wakes you up to all those possibilities of, uh, as well. So, I mean, the, the one thing that I've always been very concerned to do is not to limit myself either. Um, and... Uh, whether it's artistically or physically or sexually or mentally or I mean it's been he's been a great lesson to me put it that way the main objective of the film is to create a man this is the alchemical process this is the pinnacle of creation it is the great work 
aka the philosopher's stone it's about taking these opposing qualities of male and female reconciling them into one which is called the rebus the divine hermaphrodite in the film we see frankenfurter playing this out with his failed creations of eddie and then rocky and i find it interesting that our main characters that guide us into this world are brad and janet now brad and janet they represent the entrance to this mystical world just like boaz and joaquin they are the twin pillars so we've got boaz brad and joaquin janet guarding the entrance to this mystical world they're going to take us on a transformative journey again we're talking about the baphomet concepts here on Baphomet's arm, you'll see the words solve and coagula. These Latin terms mean to separate and join together, which is, again, the great work. They're pursuing this perfected form of mankind through Rocky and eliminating sex and gender identities altogether in the end. And they're doing this under the guidance of Frankenfurter, who's the Luciferian character. He is the serpent, the serpent messiah. He brings light to mankind in order for them to become God. In the Bible, they talked about the king of Babylon being like Lucifer when they say, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. And in Luke, we also hear that Satan fell like lightning from heaven. Now this is why you see the lightning bolt all throughout the film. This is the lightning bolt that we see the Church of Satan, Anton LaVey, it's used to denote his rank. But in the film Rocky Horror, you see it all over the place if you open your eyes to it. It's the flag on top of Frankenstein's castle. and It was also used in the Frankenstein films to denote when the mad scientist ascended to the heavens and became the god because when he created the Frankenstein monster that's when the lightning flash happened same as in Rocky Horror when Frankenfurter creates Rocky now what this lightning bolt also represents is traversing the Kabbalah tree of life in the zigzag fashion again we're talking about becoming god reaching the top point the crown and the reason these occultists believe that they can become God is because they believe in the as above, so below concept. Things happening out in the cosmos can be reflected and affected by things happening right here in the, the uh, microcosm. So they think that not only does the universe talk to them, but they talk to the universe. So yes, they can traverse the tree of life and become God themselves. Now what's interesting about Rocky Horror is we also see traversing this tree of life through the shortcut up the center, this pillar of consciousness. When you cut up through the center, you're crossing through the abyss, the, the void. But to do that, you must face Corona Zone, as Aleister Crowley called it. It's this demonic guard, the guardian of the abyss. Nodens, Typhon, Cthulhu, those are all various names for the same concept. So in the film, we're going to see how you could either cross through through the lightning bolt or you could shoot up the center the pillar of consciousness again the end game is to reach the top and become god 
another idea I go into in, in my book is it's kind of more complex, but when Frank kills Eddie, we're watching the occult belief system in the origin of the world take place. Frank represents the, the, the black brotherhood, the Saturnian serpent, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call it. And he destroys the sun God, which is portrayed by Eddie. I want to go a little bit further into this idea of crossing the, uh, the dark portion of the tree of life. This is called the abyss or dot or doth as in Darth Vader from star Wars. He represents them and embodies the dark side of the force. But anyway, the, the idea is that these occultists, they're trying to reach godlike status. So they traverse this tree of life, but you can take this shortcut up the center, which is also called the G path. Perhaps that's why we see the G in the Freemason compass square. But anyways, the idea is that they want to traverse this tree of life. They go up the center and this will destroy the ego and cause madness. So I find it curious that Riff Raff tells us in the song Time Warp that madness takes its toll. Now I believe many of these characters in the Rocky Horror Show, they are the portrayal of the fallen angels who exist in this tree of shadow version of the Tree of Life. They are the Kleepoth. Riff Raff and Magenta, the brother-sister combination who also have sex in the film, you know, it's not shown, but it's assumed. They represent Samael and Lilith. Now, these two were vampires, which only makes sense since we're told that these aliens came from the planet of Transylvania, obviously home of Dracula. And they infect Brad and Janet in the film, and we hear Janet talking about how She's tasted blood and she wants more in the song Touch a Touch a Touch Me. Indeed, it's a call belief that these alien gods sort of came from this constellation of Draco and they were actually hermaphrodites. And again, this supports this idea of the androgynous perfected form of mankind. But the constellation of Draco is translated as dragon which ironically ties us into a lot of the reptilian shapeshifter theories I talked about in my, my first book, A Grand Unified Conspiracy Theory. Another interesting finding I want to share is that Lilith and Samael were androgynous, double-faced beings, which was supposedly what Adam and Eve were. That's what the occultists believe. And Lilith was a concubine to her brother Samael, which is what we see in the film. Riff Raff and Magenta are having sex. Now, another weird connection is that there were four concubines for Samael, and we see Frankenfurter, numerology, numerologically speaking, equivalent to the number four. As we also see, Eddie is numerologically numerologically equal to four. Wow, I can't say that word. Maybe I won't do that again. <laughs> Anyways, um, so on the commentary that I read that supported this, they say that the marriage of Samael and Lilith claimed that God wouldn't allow them to reproduce more demon seeds. So what he did was he castrated Samael, and in the, in the uh, 
occult belief systems that look into this idea of this abyss, they believe there's a dragon of the abyss who is castrated form of the male Leviathan. So again, we're talking about equating riffraff with potentially Samael or the Klepoth or this demon that guards the, the abyss. Because in the Talmudic tradition, Samael is the angel of death. He is the one who is the labeled as the heavenly host with destructive and grim duties. Well, that's what we see in the film. We see Riff Raff, who's the servant, the host, and he doles out the destructive and grim duties when he starts killing everybody at the end. He guides us through the time warp, which is the process used to enter the void, this abyss area. Now, people say you go crazy when you stare into the abyss. You can lose your mind. And that is because the guardian is able to dissolve the ego and cause a mental breakdown of any kind of initiate that tries to cross this area and they're not fully prepared. That's why in the song Time Warp, they say, You bring your knees in tight, but it's the pelvic thrust that really drives you insane. Let's do the time warp again. They're talking about how you will go insane if you're not prepared to cross this path. And in the book, I go much further into this idea about the time warp being this entrance to a world of sex magic and sort of a trance-like state. It's a Dionysian ritual to try to make contact with the spiritual world. Because in the, in the film, in the song, they talk about how the void will be calling. It's not requiring the audience to enter, but it asks them to follow along into the void. The story gets much stranger. In the book, I lay out how there's the original story of Rocky Horror was one in which there were transhumanistic gods from another planet, which you know from a lot of the stuff I've been talking about, transhumanism is the, the end game as well. It's a mankind's f form of becoming god, in essence. I also talk about making contact with the shadow side or the shadow self. And then we also go into how going down this path of transhumanism and, and self-destruction is the ultimate Luciferian doctrine. They want to destroy mankind, God's creation, and they want to rebuild it according to Luciferian doctrine. I mean, you don't have to listen to me. Look at the, the fruit this show bears at Susan Sarandon, who played Janet. Just recently, I had a video where I talked about how Susan Sarandon was drinking Timothy Leary's ashes at the Burning Man Pagan Festival. Now, symbolically speaking, we're talking about some heavy-duty stuff here. Because Timothy Leary, besides his, uh, you know, condoning of uh, LSD and how supposedly that was planted by the CIA, he was also kind of like a godfather of the 60s movement. So I, I find it curious that Susan Sarandon partakes of this Burning Man pagan ritual in which was an ancient tradition where they used to burn people alive in this Burning Man. And she drinks Timothy Leary's ashes. I think most people agree with me that that is very odd behavior. And maybe I just don't get it. Maybe I'm just not enlightened to the Luciferian doctrine. But anyways, my point is Sometimes if you start following this sort of attitude or idea, you find yourself doing some wild stuff like people trying to 
do transcendental meditation where they're contacting these spirits or channeling entities. You know, there's nothing wrong with meditation, there's nothing wrong with yoga, but when you take it a bit too far, I think you've fallen into the trappings, the trappings of the Luciferian agenda, the, the satanic worship, all that kind of stuff that's a lot darker than what most people intend to get into when they start going down this path. That's why I think it's important we all become aware of what's going on, simply so we can discern for ourselves what we want to do, what we believe in, what we think is right and wrong. And in this book I lay it all out in a way that makes sense, using a film that most of us have seen. Some of us, multiple times. Uh, anyway, so check it out. The book's called It's Just a Jump to the Left, The Unauthorized Guide to Occult Symbolism in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's available on Amazon.com. I'm going to have have it posted as many places as I can on IlluminatiWatcher.com. I have a shop page. And on it you can find this book and several of the other ones I've been mentioning and referencing. Because you kind of need to know some of the other pieces of the puzzle if, if you don't really get what I'm talking about with some of this transhumanism stuff. But anyways, I'd love for you to read it. Take a look, see what you think. Leave uh, some feedback on Amazon.com under the reviews because I read all of those. I want to know how if I'm if people are uh, identifying with the stuff if we're kind of resonating and gelling on uh, our thought process here. And as always, I want to thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Don't let this ruin your your view of Rocky Horror Picture Show. If you're a fan like me, at first it was very upsetting. But I think it's just something we can take the information and become aware and try to discern for ourselves what we want to believe in and what we want to leave as entertainment and not let it influence us in the wrong way. That's all. So please pick up the book. Thanks for reading. Thanks for watching. I love you all. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.